Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average garage door is made up of 1.3 millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know, your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know, a runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into the Matt Lombardo Show. No, you have not stepped into a new dimension. No, you have not left planet Earth. This is not what Matt Lombardo sounds like on Mars. For those of you who have heard my name before or listened to last week's podcast, I'm Cole Thompson, and I do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff for Matt, for Fansided, for this podcast. This week, though, Matt out of town, Cole stepping in, and boy, oh boy, to end 2021, have we got a show for you today. Let's talk about Black Monday coming up. One of the more prominent coaching hires that could be made and what could be stopping it, the legacy of the man and the myth, John Madden himself, plus former NFL GM Randy Mueller will be hopping on the podcast, breaking down everything we need to know about executives, head coaching hires, certain names that we should be on the lookout for going into Black Monday and all that, plus we got to break down a little bit of the AFC-NFC playoff implications. There's two games that are so important this weekend to potentially deciding who fits where, what seed someone is, and let's also talk a little bit about the Rooney Rule and why I think that this is the year, the one year, the Rooney Rule should not matter because of when you really think about it, you know who the best candidates are. Before we get into any of that, just a couple quick housekeeping things. If you love this podcast, and let's be real, you're loving this podcast because you're listening to it right now, make sure that you tell your mother, your sister, your brother, your father, everybody, you know, your boss, your boss's kids, your kids tell their kids to go ahead and subscribe to the Matt Lombardo Show and Stacking the Box part of the fan-sided podcast network right here on Minute Media. Also, we're on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. Stack in the Box is on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel over there where you can watch Carm and Matt Verderam give you all their instant analysis on what they believe going on each and every single week, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. And leave a five-star review. Let's be real. You love the Matt Lombardo Show. You love this podcast. You love me. You love Matt. Leave a five-star review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what guests you want to have on. We will do everything in our power to get that guest on. And also, if you leave us a nice compliment, maybe, just maybe, we'll read it out loud. And you know what? That's a huge shout-out for you, your fans. Everybody wants to get in on that part, don't they? They want to feel involved. So go ahead and leave a five-star review and make sure you're following us, subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube.com, Omni, wherever you get your podcast listening systems today. Let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and dive into the tragic news of this past week. John Madden at the age of 85 passing away. It is a loss in the NFL community, but it's a loss in more ways than one than probably you could ever imagine. Just picture for a quick second the life of John Madden. Doesn't matter if you're 70 years old, 10 years old, 25 years old, 35 years old, 50, 80. You know the name John Madden. There's probably not that many 80-year-olds who understand the significance of what Sean McVay brings to the NFL today. There's probably not that many 10-year-olds who understand that Chuck Knoll was one of the greatest coaches that's ever been in the history of the sport. But everyone knows John Madden. 
Everybody knows who John Madden is. That, to me, speaks volume of what an impact a person like this man did for the game of football. Let's just start off with John Madden, the coach. Proven winner. Guy absolutely crushed it when he was with the Las Vegas Raiders or Oakland Raiders or uh, Los Angeles Raiders or whatever they were. Doesn't matter. He was a brilliant mastermind at getting people to buy into the culture. One of these people who could walk into a room and everyone would not only just know who he was, they would respect him. And back in the 60s and 70s, that was a tough, tall task to do. Especially when you were going in the AFC. There were two teams that everyone talked about in the AFC for years and years and years and years and years. And it was the Pittsburgh Steelers and it was the Miami Dolphins. And the reason Miami was kind of put in that conversation was not because Miami was just a good team. They were. But it was because of Miami had an undefeated season. The definition of consistency was what Chuck Knoll was able to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And right there with them, maybe a tier right below, was John Madden's Raiders. The Raiders at one point, believe it or not kids, those of you who are listening who are underage, were actually a very good franchise. One of the more historic franchises in the NFL. And part of the reason we talk so highly of a team like Las Vegas today, and why we want to see Las Vegas be successful, and why people are always reading about the Las Vegas Raiders, the Raiders this, the Raiders that, is because of the history that really started with John Madden as the head coach. Guy finally got his shot to win big-time game, the Rose Bowl, over the likes of the Minnesota Vikings. 13-1 record that year, 32-14 final in Super Bowl number 11. Absolutely was made an icon, carried off the football field by his team. Finished with a 76.3 winning percentage, a win-loss record of 133, 32-7. Playoff record of 9-7, won everywhere. Absolutely, just won everywhere. And it wasn't just how he won. It was how he won the locker room. It was how he won the players to buy into the stock. Do you know how hard it is nowadays to make sure that you solidify yourself as people buying into what you're selling? People talk about this all the time, about how coaches are no more than sleazy car salesmen. Yeah, because they have to be. But you know what? John Madden wasn't that as a coach. He was what I would say people think of when you talk about the TV show, Ted Lasso. And what I mean by Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso in the TV show is a football coach trying to learn how to play football over in England. And what he does is he uses his passion and his rhymes and his his award-winning speeches to go ahead and get the team to buy into the culture. Yeah, John Madden did that, but he also did a whole lot more. He also added in wins. And he got people to buy into the stock because they want to play for him. What's interesting is that nowadays, there's so many people out there who have so many roles in life. And in my opinion, the more simple, the better. If you can have something as simple as a three-step approach in life, you're going to be fine. But there's so many people out there who have so many roles and they think that this is the standard. You got to follow it this way, this path, this exact option. 25 rules to go ahead and make a statement of how to live your life, how to go ahead and preach and how to go ahead and win. John Madden had three. Be on time, pay attention, play like all hell when I tell you to. Those aren't just rules that you need to be good in football. Those are rules that you need to be good in life. I'll tell you this right now. I have my own radio show called Just Saying on the Sports Map Radio Network. I love what I do. I'm on time every single morning. And on time does not mean 
get there at 4 o'clock in the morning when my show comes on at 4 or 6. It means get there at 3.30. Go through my prep. Pay attention. Keep up to date with the news. Keep up to date with what's relevant. Talk about things that are important, of relevancy right now. And play like all hell when I tell you to. When that microphone comes on, I leave it all out there. Because in this industry, in this business that we work in, radio reporting, broadcasting, writing for a living, because I'm also a sports writer. We have no idea when our last call is, when our last paper is turned in, when our last assignment is done. There's always somebody out there who's going to try and take it away from you. Always somebody out there who's going to do their part to go ahead and try and take it away from you and become the next you. So play like all hell. Leave it all out there. Be on time. Pay attention. Play like all hell. Three easy rules to follow that when you look back, no wonder why people want to play for John Madden. No wonder why people respected him. He could go anywhere in the world around the NFL, in football, college, somewhere in middle of nowhere, Minnesota, to the highest point, USC, Alabama, Florida, Washington, could go to the Seattle Seahawks or the Houston Texans or the Miami Dolphins. And everybody in that room would respect him. He was a larger-than-life personality as well. And the biggest thing that I think that people don't take away is that we always try to be someone that we're not. I'll tell you this right now. There's been so many times in my career, my short career, only been out of college for about four or five years, to where I've tried to be someone I'm not. I've tried to be that guy, what I thought people wanted. And it came off as fictitious. It came off as unemotional. It came off as bogus or you know falsified or I was a fraud. People didn't want to listen to that. People didn't want to hear any of that. They want to hear the true me. And now that I am the true me, I'm finding success. And I'm not finding an immense success all the time, but I'm finding more because of it. John Madden was his true self. If there ever was a coach who was what we all imagined him to be, that was him. He was a no-nonsense, straight shooter, told you like it was, larger-than-life personality, and loved it. He loved himself. That is a big trait that I think most people in today's society don't understand. He loved himself. Now let's talk about John Madden, the broadcaster. Not only did he work for almost every major network in America, because if he did, starting off with Fox and working his way over to ABC, then working his way from CBS Sports, yeah, CBS Sports to Fox, to then to ABC to NBC towards the end of his career in 2008, did it all, worked with Pat Summerall, known with Al Michaels. He absolutely changed the way we do broadcasting. For any of you who don't know what a broadcasting, you know, normal day is like, they have these things called production meetings where you go in and you're able to figure out some notes, you're going to go ahead and take some tidbits, what you're going to talk about, why you're going to talk about it, have these kind of tangencies into it. And before John Madden ever became a broadcaster, you just kind of called a game. Yeah, fourth and 10, here we go, throwback, and it is intercepted. Game over, Raiders win. That was about it. Yeah, John Madden in the mix. He wanted to go talk to coaches, wanted to go talk to players. He wanted to go sit down with people to get the inside scoop about how your philosophy is changing the game, how your approach to the game is different than your opponents. Get an inside look. Let the audience feel like they're a part of the team, like they are in the know. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant of how he was able to go ahead and make the listener and make the viewer want to be there, want to watch what was on the field, want to be invested in what was going on. 
wanted to do that. John Madden was the reason why you are talking about today. Oh yeah, you know I was talking to Gre- you know Greg Olson. He was talking to uh, former tight end Tony Gonzalez about what was going on with Kyle Pitts. Oh yeah, you know before the game I was reaching out to Trey Lance. He's going to make his first NFL start. He said he was nervous, but I'll tell you what, guys, confident, cocky, and ready to roll to get San Francisco to the postseason. Without John Madden, I don't know if that exists. So John Madden changed the way we look at broadcasting. And John Madden also changed the way we look at the business side of things. This is where everyone knows John Madden. Whether you're 80 years old or 10. That video game that you play every single night. Getting your Xbox, getting your PS5. Sit down, try to unwind, relax a little bit. Yeah, you got that game because of John Madden. And actually, for those of you who are old enough to remember, John Madden actually called that game. He actually had that ability to sit inside your living room as you were playing as a kid. That coach? That guy? John Madden? Talking to me? Calling a game? It was revolutionary. And not only was it revolutionary, it changed the way that we look at football. Football season goes year-round, and it is the largest conglomerate sport. The NFL is the largest sport in the world outside of maybe soccer and tennis. Professional football is hands down the most exclusive sport in the United States. We talk about it constantly. We're so obsessed with the NFL more than we are college. We don't really focus in on actual signing day. We focus in on early signing period. Then we go into the regular season afterwards, not really spring football. That's not the case with the NFL. We go right from the NFL season to the offseason, to free agency, to the NFL combine, to the NFL draft, to retirees, to new coaching hires. And a lot of that is because of it's become a universal sport. And part of the reason it's become so universal and so dynamic the way it is, is because John Madden gave us the ability to come into our homes and feel like we know a little bit more about our teams. So, just in conclusion about John Madden and the legacy that he's left on the game. The game of football. No matter what industry you work in, no matter how you bring it in, he revolutionized every bit of it. It's very hard to be good at multiple things. I'll tell you this right now. I am a good writer. I feel like I'm a very good writer, but there's a lot I can work on. I feel like I'm a good reporter and broadcaster doing this kind of stuff. I'm not sure if I'm great at either. It's impossible to be great at so many different things. And that's why we say they don't make them like they used to anymore. Because John Madden was one of them. From a business side, one of the savviest businessmen in in sports. Being able to go ahead and get deals done with Tough Actin' and Actin' and of course some other commercials and product placement to only build his brand and his mantra to where every single weekend you got to see a commercial of him. Brilliant. Excellent. From a coaching standpoint, when we look at some of the greatest coaches today, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan offensively, Sean McVay with his game planning, John Harbaugh with his locker room presence, those kind of guys, Andy Reid with his ability to adapt and learn on the fly and transition from this style of NFL play to this style of NFL play, completely transition in all that aspect. When we look at that and put that into context, that's just John Madden gave us the opportunity. He was the pioneer of it. Great at coaching. And then universally changing broadcasting forever with Pat Summerall, then with Al Michaels. 
absolutely phenomenal. The legacy of John Madden is more than just a coach or a broadcaster or a video game. It's he is the absolute ambassador of the sport. And wherever he goes, I'm not going to get into religion, I'm not going to get into any of that because I don't think that's necessary when it comes to football. But wherever he is now, he is easily changing the game up there too. You know, they called the Christmas special about John Madden, his lasting impact that coaches and, uh, you know, broadcasters and former players and current players all looked at and said, wow, I want to be a part of this. Called it all Madden. John Madden. All-time great coach. All-time great businessman. All-time great broadcaster. But most of all, all-time great ambassador to the game that we all love. Gone at 85. I want to go ahead and turn the attention real fast to what's going on in Jacksonville. Because if we already know that there's going to be a few head coaching openings in the next few weeks. Black Monday is right around the corner. And with that in mind, you're going to have to start looking for the next big time name. Who are the next main targets to go be in the running for a head coaching position? And there's a lot of them this year. There's actually a lot more than I actually thought would. And a few of them really surprised me. Some were not, but others really did. And perhaps the biggest one is Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, most of you probably know Dan Quinn for his time with the Atlanta Falcons. And naturally so, he had to be fired. There was just too much of the same repetitive, mundane situation going on in the ATL. And you got to understand, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. What was happening in Atlanta was every single game, it felt like Atlanta was right in the mix. They were good enough to be a, I would say, probably 7-10 to win team. And then they imploded in the second half. And really, they didn't implode in the second half, but the fourth quarter. Thus, ultimately costing Dan Quinn his job. But in five years with the organization, he won games. He did. He won games, he took them to the playoffs, and he finished with a winning record as a head coach during his tenure. He went... 43-42, and 42. he finished with a fi- almost 500 record, went to the postseason twice, went to the Super Bowl, and the Atlanta Falcons never finished below seven wins on the year. Every year that he was there, they had seven wins, minus the 0-5 start in 2020. He turns the program around, he turns the defense around, fixes Mike Nolan's mistakes with a lot of players that Mike Nolan had and just couldn't get going couldn't get the ball rolling with, took them and transformed them into superstars. Trayvon Diggs, another year in the NFL, leading the league in interceptions. Micah Parsons, an absolute juggernaut of a linebacker who can do a little bit of everything. Blitz, coverage, sideline to sideline. One of the premier tacklers in the game and easily the winner of the 2021 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Taking Demarcus Lawrence and improving him in a limited role this season. Randy Gregory stepping up. Even Leighton Vander Esch having a pretty decent season. Nothing to write home about, but nothing to complain about either. Keanu Neal and Demonte Kazis, very solid overall production. Need a little bit of help at cornerback. Maybe go get some depth at the safety position this offseason. But Dallas's defense has been a difference maker for this team. And now he's getting looked at to be a, a head coach once again in the process. Except he turned down an interview. He turned on an interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And to me, that speaks so much volume of what I expect this hiring process to be like in Jacksonville. It does. 
And for those of you who are listening to the show right now and actually do not understand what I'm talking about, Urban Meyer is gone. Shad Khan had to let him go. They decided to cut ties after less than a year. One of the worst performances we've ever seen from a head coach. Not just because of what happened on the field, but off the field. You treated the game like it was a college campus, and unfortunately, it doesn't fly in the NFL. Millionaires will fight back. More importantly, they will not respect you, even if you're getting paid a little bit more. Want to know why? Because they're getting paid, and they don't like losing, and they really don't like losing money as well. The difference is, is that even though Urban Meyer's gone, the same problem is there. It's funny. Most of you actually probably don't know me because of I am the backup producer. I'm the guy who kind of works behind the scenes. I don't really talk on air when it comes to the Matt Lombardo show. But I used to have conversations with people, and I've talked to a couple scouts. I've talked to a few people around the league in the past about what my thoughts were of Jacksonville. It was the number two job for me last season. Because if you had all this draft capital, you had all of this uh, insurance money, you had all the ability to set yourself up to rebuild the franchise in an instant. So much in salary cap space. Number one overall pick. The only team that I thought was a little bit more deserving of that number one spot were the Chargers. And the reason why, you already know what you have with Justin Herbert. You have a little bit of money that you can spend in free agency. You know that you're going to upgrade the salary cap in certain limits. And you have a decent enough class to where you didn't do enough to be successful and make the postseason, which meant you were going to land good players, which they did in Rashawn Slater with the first round pick and with Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round. But the interesting part is that you add in Trent Bulky, And when I found out that Trent Bulky was going to be the next GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I punted. I punted on this team immediately. I don't know Trent Baalke personally, and there's a lot of other people out there who do. So I've texted some scouts, I've texted some people that I know, asking, what were your thoughts of Trent Baalke being retained by Jacksonville? Two scouts. First text message, best of luck, Trevor Lawrence. Second text message, best of luck, whoever's the next head coach. There is a demeanor and a kind of feel around the NFL about Trent Baalke and his status as a general manager, and more importantly, a front office personnel member. There is some cold, hard-hitting facts about what he brings to the table, how he acts inside the locker room, how his business side has been uh, overshadowed by the inconsistencies on on the football field. But all I have to do is go point back at one thing. Look at what happened with him and Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. It doesn't matter what happened with the on-field success. It doesn't matter that the team slowly started to uh, implode on itself over time despite the team being able to make it to an NFC championship. None of that matters. None of that matters whatsoever in any sense of the word. What matters is how that public breakup and how the two sides where you had to go find a brand new head coach in, a, in, in an instant and you had to go find a brand new name to kind of solidify the roster and you couldn't land the right head coach and then you had to go find a new GM because of how things were handled very publicly between Jim Harbaugh, who, by the way, is a hard-ass in his own sense and has his own style that doesn't really work at the NFL level traditionally like his brother John did. That, to me, says exactly what I need to know about what it's like to work with you. When you're a brand-new GM, when you're a brand-new head coach, it takes time for you to develop that constant validity and, more importantly, trust factor with each other. Dan Campbell and, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes... Let's look at them for a second. 
They could have had arguments about who to draft to pick number seven. Do we maybe go get a quarterback like Mac Jones? Do we maybe go get a wide receiver like uh, 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 Devonta Smith? Do we draft just the best player available? Do we go fix our defense? Ultimately, Holmes and Campbell agreed on one thing. Build physical MFers. And look at the roster they added. Two defensive tackles, Alan McNeil, Levi Ozakuri, Panay Sula, pick number seven, Derek Barnes, the linebacker out of Purdue. They went after those kind of guys. It was very well documented, according to the ACJ out in Atlanta, that the Falcons, Terry Fontenot, and Arthur Smith were at differing ends on what to do with that pick number four. Do you go get a quarterback like a Trey Lance? Do you go get a quarterback like a Mac Jones? Do you go get a quarterback like a Justin Fields? Or do you go take the best player available in Kyle Pitts and trust that Matt Ryan can turn it around? Now, naturally, they're not out of the postseason picture just yet, but I don't think many people are looking at Atlanta as being a big postseason contender despite having at least enough talent to be successful. Nothing special, but enough to be successful. Kind of that middle-tier roster. But look at Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin. They've had 15 years together to figure this ish out. Look at what happened. They're finding success in the draft, in free agency, and whether or not you like it, Ben Roethlisberger is two games away from going back to the postseason one more time. I don't think it happens, but they're right there in the mix. Let's look at somebody like Brett Veach, who has worked with Andy Reid in the past. They built that connection. Brett trusts Andy's decision. Andy trusts Brett's decision. And then look at Matt Rule. Matt Rule, when he signed a six-year deal to go join the Carolina Panthers leaving Baylor, six years, what that means is I have roster control. I get to make the say. It's very similar when you look at the Houston Texans. Nick Casario gets the long-term deal. David Culley does not. Nick Casario has final say of that roster. What's happening with Shad Khan and the Jacksonville Jaguars is they're allowing a guy who is not well-represented, not well-liked, and more importantly, has a disdain around the NFL to run their organization. In a pivotal year, when you have a can't-miss-generational prospect at a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, when you do have role players such as a Josh Allen, such as a Caleb Anchezan, such as potentially an Andre Sisco and a James Robinson, and a few other names that you can add to the mix. You have a few key playmakers, and you got to build this roster from the ground up. Do you want to know why bad teams stay bad? I'll give you a hint. Look at the front office. Look 95% at the front office. I'll give you a perfect example. Cleveland Browns. Andrew Barry, I do believe, can turn this team around. John Dorsey, I think, was in the right status of turning this team into some direction, he made a really bad hire with Freddie Kitchens because he put all of his faith in Baker Mayfield. Sashi Brown, Ray Farmer, Michael Lombardi, Tom Heckert, George Koskins. Think of those guys. Phil Savage, we can go even further back if we really want, if we really want to. There were times that coaches were afraid to go play and coach for Jimmy Haslam because they had to work with a GM that wanted more control. Coaches should have final control and say over rosters. Who plays, when they play, how they play. They should have a value and a sense inside the locker room, inside the roster, inside the draft room, inside free agency. This guy fits my system. I want him here. And in a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are going to have early draft picks, once again, 
who are going to have the possibility of adding in a ton of names in free agency. Because remember, they have, going into next season, $69 million, nice, in free agency, in the salary cap. There's only the two teams that have more, Los Angeles and Miami. I can say this right now. Miami, they're going to make some moves. I don't know what they will do with the quarterback position. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Los Angeles, they're going to go all in. They're going to do everything that they can to go pay to get players to come in right now to make sure Justin Herbert is successful and can win a Super Bowl before they have to pay him. Because once you pay your quarterback, that's where the money goes. You have to start budgeting. You have to start looking at the whole picture. Who fits where? Where does this person go? How am I able to afford this person? And look at what's going on in Jacksonville. Look at it. You have a franchise quarterback, potentially, in Trevor Lawrence. You have a few playmakers to where you can build a baseline with your roster. But the second that you can't get a coach in there, and a really good one, because you can't settle for mediocrity in Jacksonville anymore. That just can't happen. And when a guy like Dan Quinn, who's well-respected in the NFL, has the opportunity to interview for your team and says no, he's probably bulking. And no, I didn't say balking for a reason. I said bulking for a reason. Doesn't want to work with Trent Bulky. And if you watch Dan Quinn say no, that's just the start. Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, Eric Bieniemy, I'll throw Byron Leftwich in there. Guy who played quarterback for the team. All are great names. All have great value. All have worked with prime quarterbacks. Byron Leftwich, Tom Brady. Let's go a step further. Brian Dable, fixing Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes with Eric Bieniemy, Kellen Moore, if you want to throw him into the mix, with the likes of Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is probably about a top 12 quarterback in the NFL and does not have the skill set that probably warrants a top 12 ranking. But he is, and he's exploded and become better because of Kellen Moore. You need that for Trevor Lawrence. And you're watching a respected coach say, you know what, I'm good. I don't want to go there. There's going to be jobs opening. There's going to be a lot of jobs opening. Chicago's going to be open. They have a young quarterback in Justin Fields that can completely rechange the narrative of the franchise. Potentially, the Houston Texans job is going to be open. They have a lot of money, and they have to work with a complete and total convoluted structure, but they have a GM who right now is looking pretty smart with his draft picks in Nick Casario. I don't know what's going to happen in Arizona. I doubt that Cliff Kingsbury gets fired, but never say never. I don't know what's going to happen with a few other teams, but there's going to be a surprise one out there. Maybe Denver. Maybe you throw in another name like um, I doubt you would see the New York Jets, but maybe there's going to be some jobs open. And the reality is Jacksonville has the piece, Trevor Lawrence, but you can't settle for an average coach. Shad Khan has to think about this long and hard. In the next two weeks, you're going to start seeing coaches slowly start to dwindle back. Why? Trent Bulky. If you can't get a coach in there that can fix Trevor Lawrence and turn this program around, you're going to stay the mediocre franchise that you've been for 20 plus years. That's the reality of it. That's the big focus. Is Trent Bulky worth holding on to? I don't think so. 
Coming up next, we have former NFL GM and executive of the year, Randy Mueller, hopping on the podcast, breaking down everything we need to know going into Black Monday. Who are some names to watch out for and which teams could actually retain their coaches instead of firing them moving into the middle of January? We'll talk about that next right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, part of fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast. Progressive presents Forced Metaphors about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back to the Matt Lombardo Show. Cole Thompson filling in for Matt this week, and we are joined by a very special guest, former NFL GM, executive of the year, has worked with the Seattle Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, the Miami Dolphins, the AAF, where we have ties, and of course, the XFL, the leaders of the XFL, I might say, because of COVID, take that out. They would have won the Houston Roughnecks, PJ Walker. Randy Mueller joining us on the podcast. Randy, it's the end of 2021. We made it through, and it's an exciting 2022 coming up, right? It sure is, Cole. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to your family. Um, I love this time of year. It's, you know, we're getting down to, you know, the nitty gritty in the NFL. The, the good teams are showing themselves and trying to forecast a little bit what how to rebuild some of those that aren't so good. So it's an interesting time, that's for sure. It really is. I really love that this is going to be the first year we get to see week 18 in action. Brand new situation, a lot yeah. at stake moving into this. And of course, there are some sad times with Black Monday. But before we get into any of that, I would be remiss as somebody who has spent decades in the NFL not getting your opinion on the passing of John Madden, legendary coach, legendary broadcaster, an innovator in every single aspect. Maybe you have a great story with him. Maybe you just have seen him in passing. But in your time in the NFL, what was the lasting impact of somebody like John? And what did he mean to the game to not just you, but to a lot of other people working in front offices and how you kind of innovated going about coaching hires and, of course, bringing in broadcasters for production meetings to really help solidify a great product? Well, you hit it on the head. He did all that and then some. I think I'm not sure there's anybody involved in the league, connected to the league, or has been in the league that has left the footprint that John left. I mean, he was a, 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 a pioneer in so many ways that it just goes to show you um, what the NFL has become in society. And he's been the, the leader of the bunch, you know, sometimes out front, sometimes behind the scenes. I've met John a couple of times on occasion. You, know, you mentioned I spent 20 years in Seattle with the Seahawks. And I know this, the, the lasting impression for me is seeing the Madden Cruiser show up at your facility whether it was on a Friday afternoon or a Thursday night, because, you know, he was coming from, from wherever. He might have been coming from New York, but he'd get in there late and you knew you were in a big game when the Madden Cruiser was parked out front, right? And there was a lot of to do, a lot of uh, excitement. The intensity got ratcheted up when you knew John was doing your game. And he had an effect on all networks, not just Fox, because he worked for everybody. And those those were good times, good days. Uh, announcers mean something still to this day. I think they can... They can ratchet up intensity, even in buildings that they're not aware of. So that's what I remember about John is we knew we we're in a big game when the Madden Cruiser was parked outside. That, that was a fun time. One of the best things about him, and I love the stories of he was just the biggest larger than life personality, but he was smart. And that was something yeah. that I think a lot of people kind of did not understand. Big, goofy guy, 
but could talk your ear off and actually know the X's and O's better than probably most people and brought that to the fan base. We will forever miss him, but we want to be missing Urban Meyer and his tenure with the likes of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was a horrendous experience, no matter how you put it on field production behind the scenes. But now we are looking at a brand new head coach. And the big kicker is a lot of times general managers want to bring in their own people. They want to get their own quarterback. Same thing with head coaches. But according to Shad Khan, Trent Balky is going to stay on staff as the general manager. Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, has declined an interview as of now. Potentially at the time that they do make the hire, it'll be too late. And there have been, of course, reports throughout the years about Trent Balky and his status with teams. I'm not going to go into who's right, who's wrong. It's all based off personnel opinion. But when you do hear of a name like Dan Quinn, who is highly respected in the NFL for his player personnel, his locker room demeanor, and of course, his on-field production defensively, decline an interview. Is that a bad sign for the status of a team? And could this be a trend that we start seeing where a de facto GM that maybe is not well presented in the positive light in the NFL, maybe steer some teams away or maybe steer some quarter, uh, some some coordinators away from actually going to Jacksonville and working with Trevor Lawrence? Well, a few things. One, I know Dan Quinn well, and you're right. He comes highly accoladed, obviously took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. Um, having said that, I think Dan is probably very confident in his own abilities. And he's probably confident that he's going to have other opportunities. So I think I've been Trent Baalke. I don't know Trent, but I've been in that chair. I was in Miami when Nick Saban left to go to Alabama, and I was left behind as the GM. So I know this, our owner and president at the time went out and interviewed eight or 10 coaches. And I wasn't part of that because they had to find out if those coaches were going to be okay with me. So that's a different dynamic that you just see nowadays. It's a partnership whether the GM is in charge or the head coach is in charge really doesn't matter in my opinion, because they got to work together. And I think that's what'll be the case that probably determines, you know, Trent's fate in Jacksonville. It's who, who they bring in as a coach and who they decide to talk to and how he feels about the operation. I think the same can be said in other places when, when, uh, you know, the coach stays like, let's just say with the giants per se, when it's been said that Joe judge is going to stay, He's going to have a lot to say about who the GM is hired that gets hired as well, because it's a combination. And like I say, I've worked under coaches. I've worked even with coaches and I've worked as a coach's boss. To me, the dynamic doesn't change. You're partners and you're married and attached at the hip. So I think that's what will determine in Jacksonville if Trent actually stays or not, is how these coaches that they're interviewing or that they're involved with, what they have to say at the end of it and how they feel about the marriage. And the good news is that when you look at somebody like the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have that key piece, the quarterback, the piece de resistance. And no matter what you want to say about Trevor Lawrence in his rookie year, we can go back to Peyton Manning. I mean, one of the worst rookie seasons of all time. And if we would have just given up on him at that point, well, then we wouldn't have the sheriff and the legacy of what he brought for the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos. But it does matter to bring the right coach in there, just like they brought in Tony Dungy to bring the best out of Peyton Manning. When you look at Jacksonville's situation, you look at having that quarterback, that guy as Trevor Lawrence, who's maybe the best name in your personal opinion that you think would fit to be able to extend the status and the status quo of what Trevor Lawrence can be, this high-end level quarterback and not just a middle-of-the-tier kind of guy? Well, I'm, I'm not necessarily a believer in that it has to be an offensive guy or in some other areas, it has to be a defensive guy. My feelings on Trevor Lawrence really haven't changed. And I think when you're a personnel person within the league and you draft a quarterback that early, you know, the best thing that can happen is when they become 
second year guys. It's just part of the process. And he's going to fail. And, and the idea is to fail forward fast with these young quarterbacks as much as you can. You've got to get this first year out of them. I think you're seeing it in Chicago with Justin Fields. You're seeing it in New York with Zach Wilson. These guys all are going to struggle in year one. One, because they're not going to good teams, for one thing. They got teams around them that they you know, uh, aren't ideal personnel-wise. So they've got to settle into the seat. They've got to slow the game down. They've got to be able to process information. And, and frankly, they're just way better at it in year two. So those are the big things for me. I think without a doubt in Jacksonville, they've got to have the right people. Let's forget about the X's and O's part. They've just got to have the right people. Because I think regardless of who the coach is, they have a culture problem there. And that's what's got to be solved. So I think they've got to find the right, whether it's the right head coach, the right combination of people involved in the in the structure of the organization. They've got to make enough changes to where players know it's different. Fans know it's different. So I think they've got to have some change just for change sake. And it's again, it's not about one guy. It's probably about two or three different hires, to be honest with you. Let's go with another team that also has a little bit of a culture change, the Las Vegas Raiders. They fired the, or John Gruden resigned well back in September. Of course, we're, we can go to a whole other bag of tricks of what went on with that. But let's just focus in on Rich Bisaccia. Has this team vying for a playoff spot? And you do look at how the team does respect him in the locker room. Is he a viable candidate to remain on staff should somehow Las Vegas make it to the postseason? Or do they need to go ahead and clean houses? Mark Davis need to go ahead and bring the right personnel in there, the right amount of people, bring that new culture set in there. What is really, do you think, going on in the mind of a guy like Mark Davis who really wants to get this higher right to bring Las Vegas back to the standard of what we know Raiders football is? Well, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Rich Bisaccia. I was with him in San Diego. We spent years together talking about just this. So I do think he's the right guy. And I think it's evidenced by the, by the, the path that they've had to take this year to get to where they are now. And like you said, they're fighting for a playoff spot giant game this weekend. If they went out, they're going to have a chance to, to do something that nobody thought they would do. Having said that, I think it matters again, who they partner him with, or if it's another coach, you know, and I, and I, I know Mike Mayock, I like him. I have a lot of respect for him. He just doesn't have a lot of experience in this, in these waters per se. He may be really good at his job in time. I just don't think we know yet. You know, John Gruden made the calls. He signed off on everything that's happened there the last four years. And so I don't know that we're getting to see the real Mike Mayock as a leader, as a selector of talent, as a team builder. I know in his background, that's not part of what he's done. He was obviously came from the media side. So I think team building is a total different creature than those on the outside view it as unless you've been in that chair putting together all the pieces kind of being the glue with your organization that's the job at hand and you've got to have people skills as well to make it all work so i think they've got a lot of work to do i like the idea that they're not interviewing coaches it's been said that they are you know not going to uh, as as you mentioned these rules now dictate you can bring in assistant coaches or you can, you can talk to them on zoom these last two weeks of the regular season even though these guys are under contract elsewhere i i'm glad that mark davis has not chosen that so i think he's going to give his guys that are there in, in the trenches right now, every chance he can to, to put this team into the playoffs. And then I think all bets are off if that happens. So I like where Mark is, his head is right now. I frankly have, have you know, enjoyed his answers, so to speak. He's a maverick. He's like his father. 
I had some great conversations over the years with his dad and talk about respect for, for him and what he accomplished. I think Mark can be just that as well. So again, it's, I think it's a little early to say what's going to happen in Vegas. They've got to play out these next couple of games and, and then we'll see what we're dealing with come uh, the end of week 18. Randy Mueller, executive of the year, former NFL GM and scout. Randy, I want to get your personal thoughts on this though, because of, let's just say they do go in a different direction. And Mike Mayock, whether we like him or not, I, you know, I've met him a few times, very nice guy. Rich Bisaccia, I think that he, what he's done with how much distraction has been brought with this team is nothing short of impressive. But let's just say that they do go in a different direction with both of these two. It's a new head coach and it is a new GM. And you know this from an executive standpoint, when a new head coach and a new GM come in, they want to bring in their own staff, and that includes the quarterback position. Should we be looking at Derek Carr potentially being on the trading block if they do go in a new direction, or do you still buy that maybe the team will want to build around what Carr's been able to do the last seven, eight years inside of Las Vegas and before that Oakland? Well, I think it's easy to talk about quarterbacks being on the trading block or people wanting their own players, but here's been the key for me. It's kind of that did me well over 30 years in the league. I'm not really into getting rid of good players. <laughs> so I think he's a good player. I don't know what our options would be without him. I don't want to take a step back. I mean, you can use this, whether it's in Seattle with Russell Wilson, you know, or some of these other places, uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I'm really not interested as a GM in taking a step back. I don't want to get worse. I don't care what these guys play, what position they are, but especially at quarterback. So yeah, I think Derek Carr is, is, really a lock to be their quarterback. And I, and I know there's a lot of people that kind of view him with one foot out the door. If the new regime comes in, I don't see it that way. Good luck finding a quarterback that's better than him. We know what the draft is available, what's available in the draft this year already. We know there's going to be a couple of veterans on the street right now that may be, you know, entice people uh, to, to make a change. I would be awful careful before I kicked the, uh, car to the curb uh, in that I don't know what our options are. So I just see, I think you can win with him. I think he can, he's, he's progressed as a quarterback the last two years. I think he's shown toughness and Hey, let's just face it. It's a process to get your team to the playoffs. I think the next two weeks are giant for him, but I think he's a, I, I think he's a virtual lock to be there a year from now. I don't care what it costs money wise. You just can't let quarterbacks go as, as you can't let good players go. I actually texted a scout not too long ago talking about the NFL draft class. I said, give me your comp for Kenny Pickett, my QB1. Lo and behold, Derek Carr. And when you already have a Derek Carr in the building, yeah. I mean, what's the point of getting rid of him to go bring in a younger version of Derek Carr? But you do have a lot of ties with the Seattle Seahawks. That was where you spent a lot of your career. And it just feels like the last two years, whether or not we want to admit it, Seattle is a little bit rebuilding and they don't have the first round draft capital and right. Carroll is 70 years old. And, and it just looks like, you know, he's just a little bit in over his head at this point. And there is a giant difference between saying that a coach is not hall of fame material versus just a little bit past his prime. And that's kind of where I teeter on that line of Seattle. And you look at the inconsistencies between him and Russ inside of the locker room and Russell Wilson still being a young enough quarterback to get you maybe a few more great seasons, potentially even win you another Super Bowl. Is this potentially a shot where John Schneider and ownership is going to have to sit down and decide, do we want to go with Pete another year and watch Russell potentially walk? Or do we have to go ahead and bring in someone else as our new head coach to keep Russ, our franchise quarterback, to stay? Well, I think those are all interesting scenarios that you present. I, I will say this. I think the Seahawks, first and foremost, have operated under the auspices of maybe we're one player away a couple of years too long. 
because that's exactly how they've dealt, you know, by giving away first round picks. They've made some decisions the last two or three years because they have a good team and because Pete didn't want to rebuild. So they've operated like they needed one guy, maybe two guys each year to put them over the top. And for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out this year. I do think they have to kind of reshape the criteria they use for selecting players and for building their team. And they're going to need some help more than at one spot. And I do, anytime you do that, you're talking about a coach that's 70. Is he going to be involved in this three or four years down the road? I think if that's the case, if, if you're committed to Pete and he's been a very good coach, don't get me wrong. If he's committing for three or four years, that's fine. He's has a contract that extends through 2025. John Snyder, the GM has one that extends two years longer than that. So even though Pete's been in charge, the baton may have been passed when they signed new contracts because John's last two years longer than Pete's. Now, obviously the age is an issue there, but Pete's been a good coach. So I'm not really ready to run him off. That's for sure. What they may have to do is kind of tweak the hierarchy, tweak the decision-making power. And, and they may have done this because like I said, John having two years longer on his contract, the baton probably goes to John in that we're going to retool, we're going to rebuild. It's going to take a year or two to get it right. The whole Russell Wilson thing is a total different topic. He has a no trade clause, so he's going nowhere that he doesn't sign off on. I think the thing that's going to come up more than usually does with players is he's going to want a new contract. And that's the commitment you're going to have to make. A 33, 34-year-old quarterback, are you going to commit 40, 45 million a year to him the way he's played the last year, year and a half? That is a whole nother, you know, set of ground rules, so to speak. But again, if you look at, you know, people wanting to move on from Russell, you better have an option. And I don't think they have an option right now. So until those get presented, I think Russell Wilson is there for the long haul. If you have an option that presents itself that you're okay with, you know, maybe it's a Daniel Jones, maybe it's a Jalen Hurts coming back to you as part of a package to a team that wants a Russell Wilson, then there's probably something to talk about. But until then, I don't, I think we're just you know, grasping at straws, saying Russell Wilson's playing his last game in Seattle. We don't know that. There's a lot of connect dots that have to be connected for that. You know, what was really interesting is you brought this up way back at the beginning of this interview when we were talking about how GMs are going to be stuck with coaches for one year to figure out where they're going to be. And I'm not going to go into Joe Judge. We could have a whole conversation of, does Joe Judge need to say, does he need to go? Because Dave Gettleman is going. But George Payton out in Denver has had a full year to work with their yep. fans. You know, and the Denver Broncos are probably not going to go to the playoffs this year. They probably are one of these teams that is a one player, the most important player, a quarterback away. But you look mm -hmm. at the way the defense has played under Vic Fangio all three years. The record doesn't speak volumes to what the players think of him in the locker room. Is, is he a guy that maybe is wrong fit because it's a new GM and they didn't get to the postseason, maybe on the hot seat? Or do you think because the way the defense has performed, an area that he is masterfully known for yeah. and highly respected in the NFL for, does he get another year, let George Payton take over the draft, let him go ahead and get in the right quarterback, free agency, whatever it is, and then next year reevaluate, or, or is it time to just move on? I actually think Vic has done a good job with what he's been dealt. I think the minute they signed uh, Teddy Bridgewater, George Payton went to work in his own mind, and he may not have shared this with anybody, in his own mind to find another quarterback. He knew Teddy wasn't the answer. He knew he was a bridge. And by the way, Carolina's paying his whole salary. So it's a good business deal for the Broncos as well. I don't think there was any doubt that they needed to upgrade off the play of Drew Locke a year ago. So I don't think there's any been any secrets about where this team was they know they need to play up good up front 
and they need to have a quarterback. And I think that's what you're right. Saying one player away. I think that's what the whole conversation is based on. I don't think Vic Fangio's job that he, the job that he's done has held them back one ounce. In my opinion, I don't know all the details like George or any of the other guys inside the building every day would have, but I don't think Vic has held them back. So they've got to find a way offensively to do better, to be more consistent. And it starts at quarterback. And I think that's going to be their number one goal, but it has been. So I don't know how they position themselves. I know they had some interest in Russell last year. I know they've had some interest in Aaron Rodgers in the past. If these guys are available, I think you'll see Denver get in the market and do whatever they can to solve that that job. I don't think Vic Fangio's fate is really tied to anything that he's done. And I don't think there's any hurdles that he can't overcome. I just think they need to find a better quarterback. And that's going to have to be a the number one job in Denver. And I, I know, I know George knows that. You look at Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert already in your division. You got to make sure you get the right guy. Cause that's the only way you're going to be able to get yep. to right away. Randy Mueller, executive of the year, former NFL GM, a couple more minutes with him. Randy, I've had this thought process about head coaches in recent years, and it's the CEO mentality. You have to be the vocal face of the franchise But if you have the right people supporting you around you, a good offensive coordinator, a great defensive coordinator, good positional coaches, people want to play for you. And you kind of look at that with the Dan Campbell hire last year, kind of out of nowhere, Dan Campbell and and Mm -hmm. assistant head coach coming in, but watch the way that plays every single week, hard, physical, those Mm -hmm. players love playing for a guy like Dan Campbell. When you look going into this offseason, do you need to go ahead and find this technical guy if you're looking for a head coach, somebody who's great with the X's and O's, the ups and downs, third down situation, analytics, or do you need somebody who can bring the locker room together? And you kind of bring it back to John Madden. One thing about him was he was so smart and he was so innovative in the game. The players loved playing for him. And that was the biggest selling point is that they wanted to go to Oakland because they wanted to play in that type of culture. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think first and foremost, you've got to hire a leader of men. He's got to be well-respected in his own locker room or you have no chance. What I fear is that sometimes a coach like that, that takes over, then gets out of his lane of the expertise that he was in and got him the job. For example, like a Ron Rivera in, in Washington now, he's kind of become just what you described, the CEO coach, where he's spending a lot of time doing other things. The personnel is all under him. I would hope and want him in every defensive meeting because that's really what he is. Riverboat Ron came after the fact of he was a really good defensive coordinator. So I'm sure he's involved in those meetings. But as long as you get a leader of men that stays in his lane for his area of expertise, I think that's the that's the happy medium you reach for. So we'll see. I'm, I think Dan Campbell's done a great job. Hey, it's been a learning curve for him, too. He's learning how to be a head coach. He's a trenches guy. He's it's not surprising to me that those guys play the way they do for him. They've got to be more talented. They've got to find more more top end players. And hopefully he'll do that. And he'll be the first to tell you he's got to get better at clock management, better at some of the administrative tasks that go with the head coaching job. But Hey, it's a learning curve. And, and, and I think next year he'll be better at it than he was this year. But those are the kind of guys that players want to play for. You'd hope that the technician stuff comes from them, but also within your hires of your offensive defensive coordinator and your special teams coordinator. One of the biggest things that you do look at with head coaches right now is you're starting to see these big time names, but last year was kind of interesting. Dan Campbell, kind of out of nowhere. Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, kind of out of nowhere. David Culley with the Houston Texans, kind of out of nowhere. And I will say Sirianni has over expectations. You're watching the players love to play for Campbell and Houston, whether or not you want to say they're good because of, you know, we could go into that for a whole other segment. 
They have the same amount of wins this year without Deshaun Watson. Is there an under-the-radar coach that you've known or have seen this past season that maybe if they were in the hiring process could be that surprise name? Well, I think it's all about fit, to be honest with you. I think every team is looking for a little different. I think some teams make a mistake by not setting their own criteria for what they want. I think they've got to be very process-oriented and kind of take emotion out of it. But before anything starts, you've got to set the criteria for what you're looking for. So I think the these under-the-radar people that maybe the media sees aren't under the radar for the football guys. They understand these play. They understand these coaches. They know where they've come from. So rather than just pick out a guy or two that I think are under the radar, I think it just depends the, on the fit and the people you surround them with. I'm a big believer and you probably get tired of me saying this, but the combination of head coach, the GM, that the cap consultant, the, the, those guys all have to work together. So you've got to have people skills. You can't have one guy being dominant in any one regard because these guys work together every day, all day. I'm, I've always been a consensus builder. And I think your best leaders, one, are listeners, and two, can build consensus from within. And if you find that kind of personality in an assistant coach somewhere, I think then you'll find the successful one when he becomes a head coach. So those are just some of the criteria I would look for when identifying a, a so-called under-the-radar assistant coach that's already in the NFL, just not being talked about by media types. John Madden had three rules. I have three rules to be successful in the NFL. Right coach, right quarterback, right GM. You get all three of those. Yep. You're in great hands. Look at the Buffalo Bills. They are right there. Yep. I want to close it out with this. The Rooney rule has been a big implement in the last few years, especially with minority coaches somewhat being ignored in the hiring process. And it was implemented by Art Rooney to be able to give a fair advantage to these coaches. But when you look this past year, in my opinion, really good GMs are going to want to get great coaches. And you look at some of the best names right out there. Todd Bowles and the work that he's done in Tampa Bay. Byron Leftwich changing his complete offense to go become a Super Bowl contender every single season with Tom Brady. Patrick Graham and his locker room presence with the New York Giants. Eric Bieniemy and his success. I mean, we can go on and on and on. But when you look at the Rooney role, to me, this is a year where I don't think it needs to be implemented because of the best coaches, maybe minorities in skin color, but majority of the time, they're the right fit. Do you think that when you look at some of these coaches – they do deserve to be right in the middle of the conversation and potentially even the front runners. Well, I wish we didn't have the Rooney rule for this effect, because I do think these guys are really good coaches, regardless of skin color. That, that to me is if it, it, it forces you to maybe think a little bit outside the box, which I'm not sure a lot of groups are. So it's helpful. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for the Rooney rule. I think it's very valuable, but you're right in this hiring cycle, I think the best coaches just might be the minority coaches and, and they've gotten opportunities through the Rooney rule to get to this point, whether it's interviews last year by a Todd Bowles or by, you know, uh, Leftwich, you know, th this Rooney rule has forced people to have to talk to minority coaches and it takes a while before it pays off. The same can be said for GMs. You know, they need to go through the process a couple different times, a couple different hiring cycles because they get better at the process as well. You know, the process, why well, I always say part of the process is the process. And it sounds like I'm stuttering, but it's actually a fact. You actually have to get better at the process. And the more opportunities you get to interview and to be in front of these people, I think the better you get at it. So I, I'm with you. I, I would have no problem with any of the guys that you mentioned. I think they all deserve 
a, a chance to run an NFL team, some for the second time. You can throw Jim Caldwell in there as well. A, a great man, a great leader. And these are the kind of people that I think are our, our teams and our league needs. So hopefully a couple of these guys get legitimate opportunities. Black Monday right around the corner. And we got a huge treat right here on the Matt Lombardo show. Randy Mueller, friend of the podcast, executive of the year, former NFL GM. Randy, I cannot thank you enough. And the listeners probably cannot thank you enough for this wonderful information going into 2022. Thanks a lot for having me and happy new year to everybody. Coming up next on the Matt Lombardo Show, let's break down a little bit of Week 16. Who are some quarterbacks that could decide the fate of several NFL franchises going into the postseason? We'll talk about that next right here on the Second of the Box podcast, the Matt Lombardo Show. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. I want to talk about the upcoming coaching carousel that we're going to see. I don't know how many jobs are going to be open. I don't know who's going to be fired, who's going to be retained, who's going where and whatnot. There's definitely going to be, I think, more than just two jobs available. That's all we got right now. Las Vegas and, of course, Jacksonville. It's going to be probably at least, I would say, three more. Five might be it this year. Maybe we're lucky we'll get six. Who knows? But what's interesting is that the Rooney rule is now going to be brought up in conversations a lot. Because if you want to whine, there isn't enough diversity in the NFL when it comes to coaches. When you look at the league as a whole, it is a predominantly minority league. Most of the players are African-American descent. But you look at the coaching staff, it's far from it. You have a handful of executives, a handful of coaches, and a handful of actual front office people that represent that side of the aspect. And that's why the Rooney Rule was created. It was meant so that way there'd be a fair opportunity for minorities to get a chance. I'm going to say this right now. The Rooney Rule does not need to be implemented in 2021. Now, before you come after me and try and cancel me, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you're a smart GM and you're a smart owner, you will be going after most of these minority coaches. You want to know why? Because a majority of people that I've spoken to believe that they are the top names in this head coaching cycle hands down don't get me wrong you'll see your josh mcdaniels from new england and your kellen moore's from uh dallas and you'll throw in probably a few names like a kevin o'connell who's the quarterback's offense coordinator for the likes of the los angeles rams maybe you'll throw in a guy like jonathan gannon from philadelphia or you can even throw in maybe a shane steckton a matt eberflus but look at the big names One of the biggest locker room presents right now in the NFL that people love to play for is Patrick Graham, the defense coordinator for the New York Giants. And last season, he was interviewed for the head coaching position with the likes of the New York Jets, who did end up making a minority hire with Robert Sala. People love to play for him. And what's interesting is that you look at how staffs are being built. And I look right now at team like the Detroit Lions, who hired Dan Campbell. He has an African-American offensive coordinator in Anthony Lynn and an African-American defense coordinator in Aaron Glenn, a guy who I absolutely love, by the way, and I think Aaron Glenn one day will make one hell of a head coach if he wants that opportunity. 
But the reason why I believe in Dan Campbell and at least the potential of the future of a team like Detroit is because of they got a guy who's the head coach that people want to play for. You look week in and week out, there's no chemistry with Jacksonville. Absolutely none. They are miserable playing out there. Slowly, you're starting to see the Houston Texans get that chemistry. But for a while, it didn't look that way. It was never that way in Detroit. Detroit was playing hard and physical, and their record may end up finishing with two wins. They are a much better team than the two-win team. Hands down, they are. I would put them in that same category as the likes of the Houston Texans. Probably about four wins. They are a handful of plays away from being about a four to six win team in year one underneath Dan Campbell. And it's not because of talent, it's because of they believe in the culture. A guy like Patrick Graham, who maybe is in a down year with the likes of the New York Giants. The team last year was one of the best defenses. Right now, they're about average. I'm not going to give them a lot of credit. They're not doing too hot. They're probably about league average, maybe even a little bit below the league average. Players still are playing for him. Players absolutely still want to be going after a guy like him. So if you bring in the right offensive coordinator and you bring in the right defensive coordinator, you can have an immediate successful staff. It's very clear. It's 100% clear. You may struggle for a year, but a guy like Patrick Graham that's well-respected in the NFL, not only well-respected, beloved by players, and has that knack, that defensive mind, very similar to Brian Flores, that no-nonsense, come to the work, bring your shovel pail, go get those kinds of guys to go play for you. You need that. You need that in a city like Chicago. You need that for a team like maybe Denver. You need that for a team like Las Vegas. Let's go ahead and look at another name. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles has had the opportunity to be a successful head coach, and he failed miserably. But let's not pretend that the New York Jets during that tenure was not all bad. They were run by poor management, especially with the GM and Mike McCagman. It just felt like they were never a good fit. He goes back, works with Bruce Arians, and now once again has the defense ranked inside the top 10. This is still a very good defense. A very good defense for the likes of Tampa Bay. Last year, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Finished sixth overall total defense. As a run defense, they were the best in the league. And in points, they were top 10. Top 10. He's earned a second shot. He absolutely has. Offensively, you're not going to find much better than the likes of Byron Leftwich right now. It would be almost impossible for me to say you will find even close to something special along the lines of Byron Leftwich. Because not only was he in Arizona retained by Steve Wilkes and was told by multiple people, by Bruce Arians himself, this man is going to make one hell of a head coach one day. He had to change his entire offensive game plan to get on the right pace with Tom Brady. What happened? Year one, won a Super Bowl. Year two, helped them win the NFC South consecutively. Potentially actually going to make another deep run in the Super Bowl and get a second ring with Bruce. Honestly, Arians could retire and name Byron Leftwich the head coach right now, putting him in a great situation. And I don't think anybody would be surprised about that. The way that he's been able to work with quarterbacks, the way that he's been able to only enhance the likes of Tom Brady while changing up his game plan and keeping this to be a top 10 offense in the NFL, to me, that's out of coaching material. Let's go ahead and look at another name, Raheem Morris. Morris, who's now the defensive coordinator for the likes of the Los Angeles Rams, isn't getting the same results as Brandon Staley. 
But it's not as if the defense fell off a cliff. They still rank in the top 15 in total defense. They rank in the top 20 in pass defense. And they rank inside the top 10 in run defense. When you look at also scoring defense, they're about league average, 21.9. But the biggest problem with a guy like Raheem Morris was he was burned very early on in his career because he was a young coach that was probably a little too experienced when he took over for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's had the time to build a chemistry, work out the kinks, find the ins and outs, build a nice roster during his time in Atlanta, during his time in Los Angeles. And he's getting good play from his defense. You're not launching a missing a beat from Aaron Donald or Leonard Floyd. You add in Von Miller, that's adding another great step to the, to the puzzle. Darius Williams has looked the part of a really solid cornerback. And Jordan Fuller has played very well as of late in the safety spot. So you're getting good play from situational players. Maybe that's not enough to get you a head coaching job this year, but it's enough to get you an interview. It absolutely is enough to get you an interview. Then let's talk about Eric Bieniemy. Bieniemy is the coup de grace when it comes to being blacklisted as an African-American head coach not having the opportunity. Because if he has been up for jobs the last three cycles, it's been turned down, turned away. Now, at some point, there is going to be the question, does he want to be a head coach or does he want to be a head coach for a certain team? Because there's always the option of when you are going to a roster, you're going to a roster to become a head coach on probably a bad team. And you let them go ahead and build it up. But you got a team like Kansas City and Andy Reid, say, retires at some point. Well, then you immediately just take over. And when you do, well, I guess what happens? You have the opportunity to just pick up the pieces and begin right away. Right away. That's all you got to do. So what is it with Eric Bieniemy? Does he want to go to a good team? Does he want to go to does he want to stay with Kansas City and wait kind of Josh McDaniels see what's happening in Foxborough? What is it that he wants to do? But let's not get it twisted. Andy Reid may be the play caller. You're still working with the players. You're still working with the offense. You're still having an input on third down situations, on second and short, on third and on, on third and seven, on a first and fifteen after a penalty. What kind of plays to run? And once again, look at the offense. One of the best, one of the best in the NFL in 2021. Ranks right now number three, only behind the Super Bowl defending champions and the Dallas Cowboys, who have an amazing set of wide receivers and a cast of characters that absolutely is deserving of it. Even with the struggles that we've seen at times this year from Patrick Mahomes, they're number four in scoring offense. That says something. That says if I'm a GM and I'm looking at some of these teams that potentially could be looking for a head coach, Minnesota, maybe Denver, potentially highly doubted Carolina, and Chicago, and the Giants, and Jacksonville, all of whom are averaging less than 20 points a game. All of whom are underachieving in that aspect of the game. I'm looking at these names, and I'm looking at what Kansas City has done, and how, especially last week, without Travis Kelsey, and with a limited Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes goes off against Pittsburgh, who's been known for its defensive play. You guys may not understand, Pittsburgh, offensively, taking a big hit. Absolutely taking a big hit. Defensively, about a little below league average. Not terrible. Definitely not terrible. Pass defense, actually, right above league average. They're allowing less than 225 yards a game. And all I've seen, all I've watched, all I've heard, 
is how Pittsburgh is still in the running. Pittsburgh is not in the running, and Patrick Mahomes torched them alive. Patrick Mahomes absolutely annihilated this team. That's because of Eric Bieniemy and his play calling. So you look at some of the biggest names that are going to be out there on the market. And I'll throw a couple more in there. Harold Goodwin for the Pittsburgh, I mean for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, absolutely should be in the conversation. I look at a guy maybe down the line in a few years. Anthony Lynn could be back in that conversation. I think Aaron Glenn could be in that conversation. D'Amico Ryan's of the San Francisco 49ers defensively could be in that conversation. But some other names right now, probably a guy like Jim Codwell who was a winner, just about a 500 winner with the Detroit Lions, something that is desperately missed in the Motor City right now. All could be viable options. And I'm not here to say that there aren't good white coaches out there. There are. There are 100% great white coaches out there. I would absolutely consider the likes of Matt Eberflus because if his defense is one of the best in takeaways this entire season, he's gotten great play out of them. Josh McDaniels to be able to work with yet another rookie quarterback and transcend him and get him up to speed. Love that fit. Love a lot of fits for this team. A lot of good white coaches. But the best this year? The reason why I'm not worried about the Rooney rule taking effect, or why I shouldn't at least, is because of the top names are all minority coaches. And they're not minorities. And, and you know, I, get, I hate that term minority. I get, I get it. I do. But in my opinion, majority of the time, it's about getting the right fit. This is the right fit. Getting these coaches, the Byron Leftwiches, the... Um, the Todd Bowles, the Patrick Grahams, the Raheem Morrises, the Eric Bieniemies of the world. These are the guys you want to hire. These are game-changing hires. These are hires that have been proven. Not just proven, some have even gotten the first and second chance and have made up for it. These are the names that I would be closely watching, especially guys like Bieniemy, Leftwich, and I'm going to throw one out there for sure, Patrick Graham. I would be watching these guys. I'm looking for game changers. I'm looking for leaders. I'm looking for people who can bring something and an element to my team. These are guys that I would consider. Yeah, they're minority coaches by their skin color. Majority of the time, they are 100% the right fit for most franchises this offseason. And that's going to do it for us right here on the Matt Lombardo Show. Thank you so much for Matt for thinking of me to fill in on this awesome podcast. Thank you to our very special guest, Randy Mueller, former NFL GM of the year, coming in, talking a little bit of Black Monday, all these coaching hires. Now remember, if you like what you hear, if you like this podcast, if you love me, but more importantly, if you love Matt, go ahead and subscribe to the Stacking the Box podcast right here, part of the Fan Sided Network. Matt will be back next week to break down everything going into the postseason. Yep, that's right, week 18. Weird to say, still got another week of football. Insane how much talent we have going in with all the implications. Matt will be here to break all that down, probably bringing you a fire guest along the way with it. So until next time, have a happy 2022. May your days be merry and bright, and more importantly, welcome into the start of a brand new year and the start of the NFL playoff season. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one, and Happy New Year. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. 
And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.